Hello and welcome to the Career Sphere. A podcast created for you by the Ambassador and Business Network, a network for ex-teachers who now work in business. If you don't know what career you want, you're not alone and people change careers all of the time. Deciding on your first one can be really difficult, so we're here to give you more information about the different careers out there to help you along the journey. This episode is called Computer Science, Animation and Teaching at University. We really back it all in with this guest who is widely knowledgeable about all three strands. Before I hand over to this week's guest and our co-host, here are five things that I wish I understood about computer science, animation and working at university when I was in school. Number one, 3D animation is how most characters in movies are made, such as the minions in Despicable Me or the characters in Soul. It's done by making a digital model on a computer in a 3D graphics program and manipulating it so that it looks like it's moving. Very cool stuff. Number two, computer science involves designing new software, developing new ways to use technology or solving computer problems. So learning about it can lead to a huge number of different jobs and it's very relevant in today's job market. Number three, Computer scientists have a reputation for working in isolation, but being a teacher, our guest is one of many who busts that myth. As often, computer scientists have to work in a team with lots of other people and have to present work on their ideas. Number four, if you teach at university, you're called a lecturer. It's similar to what your teachers do, but the students in your classes are older. And number five, you also have to do research on the topic of expertise. So if you're a curious person who likes finding out about things that you're passionate about and that interest you, then it could be a great career choice. I'd like to welcome my co-host this week, who is a fellow ex-teacher in our network. Hi, Leo. How are you? Hi, Grace. I'm very well, thank you. Got some lovely sunny weather here in London. It's been great today, hasn't it? It feels like summer's here, which is awesome. Um, so first of all, would you change anything about the list I just gave you? I think that working from home has been great over the past year for most of the time, but it's nice to hear that you can have a balance of also being part of a team as well and not having to just be in isolation. <laughs> exactly. A balance, I think, is what everyone needs right now. Um, okay, so tell me who you brought on as a guest this week. So I've brought along Pete Kemp, a lecturer at King's College London, who I met through his work through uh, teaching 3D animation, or rather organising teaching 3D animation. So, hi Pete, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Peter Kemp, I'm uh, currently a lecturer at King's College London where I do computer science and computing education research and also help train teachers. So, what kind of decisions have, have led you to this point in your career at the moment? Well, I must admit this wasn't something which I had planned when I was in school. Um, I'm not really sure what I wanted to do in school, uh, but I ended up doing uh, computer science and um, went on to universities to do computer science and ended up working on kind of banking um, operation systems and software for a huge multinational corporation um, and then realised after working in the industry for about 13 months that I wanted um, to spend more time teaching because I, I quite liked teaching other people how to do things. So I became a teacher, um, did that for a couple of years, uh, went back into industry, uh, writing websites and, uh, and other sort of application software, um, returned to teaching again, um, and then got a job in teacher training and have ended up at King's College uh, training teachers, but also doing quite a bit of educational, uh, computing education research. 
So with these differences between working in industry and teaching and, and working in academia, have you found that they've meshed together quite well in terms of the skills that you need? Or was it quite distinct? Well, if you're doing computing education, you need to know a lot about teaching. You need to know a lot about uh, computing, computer science. And um, you need to you know, learn all the soft skills that industry needs as well, because you have to be working with other people at the same time. Um, so it's you know, combining computer science and uh, and teaching. It's uh, you might think they are opposed skills, but actually they uh, there's a lot of crossover. Um, so if you're working in a team in an IT firm, you need to be able to communicate with other people. You need to be working uh, working on projects together and sticking sticking to deadlines. And it's the same if you're working in academia. Um, you are often doing research projects with other people. If you're training teachers, you're obviously working with other people um, quite a lot in person. Um, and it's this just a nice mix, really, of technical and soft skills. So did you find it quite nice and refreshing to make the change? Or was it a little bit challenging to move from one thing to another? Uh, it's very... So there are crossovers, but they are you know, quite, uh, quite different skills. So if you're being a teacher, most of your time is trying to uh, present ideas and help students solve problems. Um, whilst if you are working in IT, um, there is teamwork, but you, you might be spending quite a bit of time on your own trying to solve your own problems and then bringing them back to other people when you've either solved them or when you need a bit of support. Um, so teaching is a lot more in person. Um, and I suppose the research side of things, um, that's, that's more like the industry. So you're spending a lot more time um, working on your own, doing research, and then going back to groups and working with groups when you have um, ideas or you've solved problems that you need support. It sounds like there, there might be lots of barriers into a, a career in computer science or computing, but what, what, can, what can a student do to, to get on that pathway? What advice would you give them? So if you're looking to get a job in the industry, then you need to, and the normal stuff, you need to work really hard. Um, but there's some other things that you might not consider, such as you've got to really work on your presentation. You've got to work on your presentation in an interview. You've got to work on uh, presenting your work. So if you are interested in computer science, you've got to uh, think about, okay, uh, what work have I done? How do I present this work? How do I make sure that my portfolio of work is the best work that I have and how can I go and present this to people who are interested in me. Um, and computing is great because a lot of the tools which are used by you know, Google and Microsoft and Facebook and so on are free to use. They're, they're free to download, they're free to get started with. So there's nothing to stop you learning at home, teaching yourself. And if you're going for a job and you've been teaching yourself things, that can often be a very, or going to university um, placement, uh, you might find that you know, teaching yourself is going to get you some really, you know, big points in, in terms of interview because they're going to go, this person can teach themselves. They don't need to go through the formal school system all the time. They can actually learn on their own. It also shows that you're interested. So um, try and build a portfolio. Try and put together uh, a set of your, uh, build on, sorry, try and build up skills on your own as best you can and try and use the, the free resources that you have out there. That sounds like fantastic advice. And and if somebody does this and then they study computer science, you mentioned obviously that you worked on software for a, for large banks, but where else can it lead you in terms of a career? Well, it's hard to find an area um, of work life right now which doesn't have some element of computing in it. I mean, I suppose his, if you go back to when I was at school, I was really interested in history. Um, and... 
if you look at, you know, what historians are doing now, there's, for many of them, a lot of computer work. Um, so I've got a colleague of mine who did a study on how many amphoras you could pile on top of each other. And they, they built a, you know, a mathematical model of this with a computer program. Um, now they didn't have to go and make thousands of amphoras and, and start pile them up. They did this with computing. So, um, history. Sorry, th- thousands has, of what? Sorry. Am- amphora. Al- amphora. Yeah. But like the Romans Amphora. had. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so they're, they're trying to work out in a, um, in a port in France, how high could they pile these bottles of wine or, um, or olive oil or whatever they were trying to transport. And this is a, you know, it's a computer science problem. It's a programming problem. Um, rather than you, know, you can't read the sources because the sources don't exist. So they're trying to, to model this without actually having to do it themselves. Um, so history is being transformed by computing, but also, you know, other uh, areas too. So, You've got, um, you know, even kind of biblical studies. If you look at biblical studies, you've got, uh, mathematical models, um, looking at who, uh, you know, the likelihood that somebody, um, wrote different letters in the Bible. You know, it, if they wrote one letter, then the patterns of the words, are they in a similar format to another letter? So what, what's the reliability between two, two letters that are written in the Bible? And, um, you, you've got computing kind of seeping into every area and a bit of programming and a bit of computing knowledge will, help get you into a, a whole range of different fields. Um, and certainly if you're going to go, uh, you're looking at working in an office or running your own business, you need to be able to use computers. And if you, you know, master a spreadsheet, you're going to become a lot, a lot more powerful, a lot more useful in terms of what you're trying to do in terms of your job. Fantastic. It sounds like there's many things that it can lead to there. But then back in terms of 3D animation, uh, obviously you mentioned that you were looking at how students might learn that. And if, if there was a student who was really interested in 3D animation, then is there any particular advice you would give them? Well, so 3D animation, you need to work in your portfolio. It's more important than, I'd say, computer, it is in computer science. So with getting into the industry, getting into the animation industry, the visual effects industry, the 3D animation industry, um, you need to rock up to a business and you need to say, here's what I can do. Now, you... You can go to university and you can build that. And actually, that's a really good way of doing it. There are some fantastic university courses out there to support you in doing that. And they'll help you put together your best work and give you feedback on it. But this isn't to say that you can't start doing it right now. So there's a tool called Blender. Um, and Blender is, is free to download. Um, and it runs on terrible you know, old computers like the one I've got at home. Um, so hopefully it would run on your computer. If you download that, Go to YouTube, search for some you know, Blender tutorials, Blender beginner tutorials, and get started. There's nothing to stop you getting started and um, and just building a portfolio, a showcase of your best work, which you could then use to apply for an apprenticeship, an internship, or to get onto a degree course. So it sounds like there's lots of similarities and a few differences as well. So maybe just we could also talk about academia, third strands to your career, and if then there was somebody who thought that they really wanted to be an academic or a researcher in the future, uh, may- maybe you could first talk a little bit about what you do day to day, since I think that's probably not something that a lot of students understand. So, uh, we, well, it's, it's a it's a it's a difficult question because no day is quite the same. I mean, one of the joys of academia is things um, change a lot. So. I have teaching commitments, so I have to go and teach students. And, um, and part of teaching students is, uh, is coming up with own, with your own curriculum. Nobody's going to tell you, you have to go and teach this. And generally what you're teaching is something that you're very interested in. So you, um, you put together 
the story of, of whatever you're trying to teach in a way that you think is is interesting. So you're, you're going to write um, a, a scheme of work. You're going to write a, a set of lectures which you think are engaging, interesting, linking with uh, the research and uh, will give students what they need to know about that particular topic. So you have a lot of freedom there to um, to put together your own lectures. Um, you have to do lots of marking, lots of feedback, lots of essay um, marking and, and so on, um, which sounds a little bit boring, but actually it's it's often really good to see, uh, you know, to immerse yourself with other people's writing, to find out what they're thinking, to look at their arguments behind something. Um, and then the other component is uh, really around the research side of things, and um, and you get given time to do your own independent research. So you go and you can almost research whatever thing you want. And one of the strange things with academia is um, you have an independence here. So I'm not going to get in trouble with King's College London if I say something controversial, because whatever I'm saying, if it's controversial, will be backed up with you know with my research with what I've read. Um, you know, they, they respect your intellectual freedom. While if you're working for a business, it's, you know, unlikely you could say things that went against what the business was trying to promote. Um, and, you know, that, so that, that freedom is great. Um, but then kind of the, the ugly side of that is, um, if you want to do bigger research, you've got to go for big research bids and big research bids will be writing uh, thousands and thousands of words of applications and then getting feedback and doing budgets and managing teams and managing people. Uh, that's not the ugly part if you revise any bids. And then when you get, hopefully when you get the bid, you have to say manage the people, you have to manage the projects and you have to do project reports and so on. Um, but it's, it's looking to try and find out something new about the world, something that people, you know, haven't previously understood. Um, you're, uh, you're a bit like a detective, like an explorer. You're, you're trying to find out something new. And that's a, that's a hugely rewarding and hugely exciting, um, part of things. So it sounds like there's there's still similarities in terms of what you were saying before about how you present yourself and the, the people that you talk to and the the way that you work, um, which is 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 good to hear that actually there's fundamental skills that we're all going to need. And then if if somebody wanted to get into an academic career, what what advice would you give them? What would you ask? What would you suggest that they did now? Well, it's about going to university um, and doing well at university and studying really hard at university. And if you study hard at university and you find that you don't enjoy it very much, don't go into academia because it's just more of that. Really. Um, but if you do find that you really like it and you, uh, you know, you're excited by finding out new things, and you're excited about working in a university environment with lots of questions floating around and you know, areas that you don't quite understand, and you want to go and understand more, then, you know, that's, that's a really good sign. Um, you then need to think about getting your, um, you know, getting a good degree and then going on to doing a, um, a PhD. So a PhD would normally take you about three years. Um, and, and, and so could you explain what a PhD is? So it's a uh, diploma in philosophy. So uh, when we call it philosophy, we're basically calling it knowledge. What you're doing is you're, um, you're spending three years researching an area which nobody else has really researched before. So you're going to look at what everyone else has ever said about that area, and then you're going to add some new knowledge. You're going to create new knowledge which nobody has ever um, ever seen before. And that's, uh, that's really exciting. So you're going to write something which um, nobody's ever written before. You're going to find out things that nobody has ever found out before. Um, you're going to have thoughts that nobody maybe has ever thought before. And then hopefully when you've, you've built this new knowledge, other people will take that knowledge and, and build on that and, and create new knowledge from that. It's, it's like another, it's a brick in the wall of knowledge that you're trying to you know, help other people get forward and move forward to. Or the PhD fun, 
find something that you want to do. Uh, you can get funding for PhDs, so you can find fully funded PhDs. They're more likely to be in the sciences. So if you're doing the sciences, um, you might find that somebody's going to pay you to study for three years, and then you get to call yourself doctor at the end of it, which is great. Um, you will find funded PhDs as well in the humanities. Um, they might be a little bit more competitive because there are going to be fewer of them, and you will uh, you, you will get funding for that too. So try and do that, or you can fund yourself through a PhD, um, and they are generally a little bit cheaper than funding yourself for university. But of course, you have to fund yourself um, in terms of food and accommodation. It's another three years on top of that, but um, you do try and keep an eye, eye out for the funding. Um, and then when you finish your PhD, uh, you can do a, a postdoctoral research assistant role. So there are many universities that would employ you to uh, do research full time. And then you can transition from that role into a lectureship. And um, and then, you know, potentially, if you get really good at it, you'll be a professor uh, further down the line. Am I right in thinking that it's also an option to do a PhD part time alongside other things? Yes, you can do a PhD part time. Um, so... You, if you have another job, you could do a PhD uh, at you know, the weekends in your evenings. Um, it, it is possible. I've known many people to do that. And sometimes you might spend, instead of three years, it might be six or seven years um, doing it part-time. You do make it sound very exciting. And then I guess the, the the pleasure is when you share that knowledge with other people and you see other people building on that knowledge as well. So just just finally then, if we think back to, to 14, 15, 16-year-old Pete... Is there any particular advice that you'd give to yourself, uh, either career or otherwise? Um, it's it's just about studying hard, really. And um, the, there's a reward to studying hard. You, you know, it, it, it will uh, help you feel good about things. It helps you also feel a bit more in control that sometimes you go into exams and if you're not fully prepared, you know, everything falls apart. If you're studying hard, you've given it your best shot. And if you don't do so well at the exam... You know, some subjects weren't my best subjects. Like, you know, I studied hard, didn't do so well at it. And, you know, that's okay. Um, but if you study hard, you know, you can say, look, you put your best into it. So uh, it's about really, really trying, um, you know, trying to work hard, but also at the same time, going back to the, the kind of communication skills and, and talking to people, using your teachers. If you want to, um, you know, you want to go and do something, um, just make sure that you're talking to teachers about, you know, what you need to go and do next. I mean, I, I think, say, you know, I really like history at school. I don't think I ever really spoke well enough to my history teachers. And maybe if I had, I would be doing history instead of <laughs> science. Um, but yeah, talk to your, talk to your teachers. They, uh, they know the route through your GCSEs or your A-levels and they will support you in that. And it's, it's good to talk to them. It's good to talk to, to careers advisors. And I mean, the, the other thing is, um, just don't make decisions uh, you know, based on what somebody tells you uh, in a 15-minute meeting or part of a PSE session. Try and get experience behind things. Um, now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a rubbish example for a 16-year-old because I didn't really know what I was doing then. And I don't think I really worked out what I was doing until I was about 21. Um, but, you know, if I had, it would have, you know, uh, you know helped me avoid wasting a lot of time doing <laughs> other things that maybe I shouldn't have been doing. Um, so, yeah, you know, use your teachers, try and get experience with things that you want to do and just work hard. But also, I haven't said this, do something that you enjoy. You know, you have to be doing something you enjoy and do um, you know, do it well, do a lot of it. Don't go looking for jobs, but don't go studying things that tells you it's going to give you a job. Because if you're doing something that you hate, um, you know, even if you have a job, you're going to do probably really badly at the job and they might sack you. 
or you might resign. So, you know, try and do something. If you find something you quite like doing, try and get really good at that. Don't just go for the stuff that's telling you that um, it's going to get you a job at the end of it. Well, we can stop there. Thank you very much, Pete. Thank, thank you so much um, for having me, and hopefully that's of some use. Thank you so much, Pete and Leo. I've genuinely learnt a lot and you've got me inspired. I'm ready to drop everything and do a PhD now. The three biggest takeaways for me are number one, teaching yourself skills and creating a portfolio or a collection of computer projects that you've worked on can be a great way to make yourself stand out. There's loads of software out there that you can download for free, so give it a Google and do check out the links that we share in the show notes. Number two, There was a strong message of study hard that's come out of this podcast. A good work ethic will be beneficial in any career you choose. But if learning and studying is something you enjoy, then higher education is definitely something to consider. Finally, there's lots of different ways that you can get your degrees or PhDs funded if that's the path you want to go down. So do speak to your career lead at school to understand your options if you're concerned about how to pay for it. Want to get in touch or follow us for more careers content? Find us on Twitter. Our handle is at InAmbassadors. Until next time, stay safe, stay curious.